Today's episode of Locked on Wild is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. are locked on wild your minnesota wild every day here on the lockdown podcast network it's your host joe Gooley of zonecoverage.com and with me is tony abbott of zone coverage and tony we've been pumping out the content like crazy leading up to this series and uh you know it was finally nice to get a little bit of a payoff to kind of see what the wild were like this uh i guess leading into this in their exhibition game against the colorado avalanche so um how are you doing first how you doing I'm all right. Just, uh, just you know, uh, trying to uh, trying to hold on to the last few hot days of the year. Can't wait for those to be over. Good riddance. Goodbye. <laughs> See you next year, and, and don't come back. I will take uh, I will take freezing my butt off in the winter over over this stuff any day and i'm just i'm very excited for this to be done um other than that uh just uh just typical minnesota talk about the weather thing right um, keeping an eye on uh keeping an eye on baseball right now like i talked about it on monday but uh but since we recorded last right there's right. been uh there's been a lot going on with uh with uh outbreaks in the marlins clubhouse and yeah, uh crazy. and just a lot of ripple reflect effects out of that uh, Minnesota did play their games last night, but I am wondering just like how much longer are they going to be able to uh, to do that? We've already had one team have an outbreak. We've had two series mm-hmm. affected already. Um, I, I I do not know how long this is going to last. It's a good thing that the uh, Major League Baseball has scheduled in, you know, some extra days in there for rest so that they can make up those games. Oh, wait, that's right. They didn't. They had a couple of months to figure it out. And instead, they kind of figured out ways to screw over their uh, their players and see how much they're going to take from them rather than actually figure out how to do this properly. I mean, I don't know if there's a proper way to do this, but when you see what the NBA and the NHL reported for COVID cases, once everybody kind of arrived to their bubbles and see that they've got zero cases, it's at least promising. What the what Major League Baseball is doing, and I'm, I'm sorry, what the Marlins were doing, where they essentially just, hey, we've got three positive tests, and no, nobody really seemed to like think that playing not playing was an option, so they just continue to go out there and play. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Mattingly, that's a fireball offense, if you ask me. Yeah, that, that was real absurd. That uh, that they w- allowed players to vote on whether basically they uh, they felt good to uh, to finish out their series after a few positive COVID tests, and it's just like don't ever let athletes decide whether they can play or not when it comes to something like this or or major injuries. It is never going to end in anything but like oh yeah I can play, but uh, got a back injury like Preezy did, and he just would not sit, you know. It got real bad for him, and he was actually, you know, causing issues on the ice, I think, more than anything. And Mike Yo, I think, was the coach at the time that didn't want to let him sit. 
and causing issues to you know himself too, right? Right. Like yeah. Zach exactly. Carise ended up having back problems for for years with the Minnesota Wild, but mm-hmm. like I don't know, like this this is um this is some dangerous stuff, and you can't just let uh, you just you can't let uh, players determine that without any sort of input or veto power or anything from the league mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, I, I think you're right in that the way that the NHL is handling things makes it a little better. Uh, I know that uh, I know that the bubble isn't uh, isn't always, you know, like th- there's going to be uh, there's going to be the Jurassic Park moment, right? Where right. Uh, where life finds a way. Um, but um, I mean, there is uh, the uh, NWSL. Uh, National Women's Soccer League uh, played right. in a bubble, and I think two of their teams had to drop out of a tournament uh, because yep. they got, you know, uh, they got positive uh, tests in the bubble. Um, mm-hmm. But man, at least, at least, at least, it's a little more well thought out than like, are, are what are what are these baseball players doing in terms of precautions? Like it kind of looks like they're like allowed to just kind of like do their regular lives and, and their regular routine of traveling and stuff like that. Going out to bars in their city in, in local cities and stuff. I, I and mean, we don't know if they're doing that, but well, no, but it sounds like there's no like repercussions if that's is what they're doing. So, like it, I, I mean, it's almost like either that's either it's not enforced or and the player or the players just really don't care and aren't taking it seriously. So I can't tell you whether or not that's what actually is happening because that was the rumor was what the Marlins were doing was they went out after a game and, and whatever. But if, if that's the case and players still aren't going to, aren't willing to take themselves out of games or, or say, Hey, we can't do this. Like one weekend in, and this is already flaring up is, is a bad, bad look for major league baseball. They've got all these billions of dollars and stuff like that, and they can't figure out a decent freaking option for it. I worry enough about whether the uh, the NHL, with uh, with their precautions, their their many precautions that they've taken, is like whether this is a good idea, uh, finishing out the ser- season. And like, I I don't think it's a very good idea. I don't. <laughs> uh, I I worry about whether it's uh, it's safe for sure. Uh, right. Quite often, but. At least, at least it's better than the. Do I swear or not? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, cluster fudge plan that uh, the MLB uh, put together, which is just like, oh, okay, go do your thing. Like you're you're magically protected by your glove or something. Yeah, uh, maybe that's that. it. Maybe they they literally think that you know that they're wearing gloves in the outfield is like sufficient enough. Yeah, and by not having fans in there, it, it at least makes them look like they're working. No, it, it's it was it, it was a farce, and the fact that it didn't even last one weekend series is just ridiculous. So, uh, but you know what, you can count on maybe not so much the Major League Baseball, but you can count on RockAuto.com to make sure that you can keep your car safe. Yeah, you go to RockAuto.com; they got all the, the largest catalog that you could find easy to use uh, search by make and model and you can keep your car up to date all repaired all fixed up uh, with whatever it is that you need to make sure that that is running on the road safely for you and your family or whoever whomever you may be with and a personal and- guarantee joe if you put <laughs> any parts from rock auto into your car i guarantee you it's the rock auto guarantee your car will not get coronavirus <laughs> 
Anyways, rockauto.com is uh, incredibly easy to use. There's that family business that's been running online now for the last 20 years, serving auto parts to customers in that super easy way to do it. Um, and then also, you know, Rock Auto has uh, got one tier pricing, so it makes it really, really, really easy to uh, to purchase the parts for your vehicle, like I said, to keep that safe on the road. Um, and if you go to uh, rockauto.com and you uh, go through the checkout, make sure you put in locked on in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you. It's rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Welcome back to Locked on Wild. It's Joe and Tony guiding the ship. Today, the Minnesota Wild took on the Colorado Avalanche, the most hated rival for the Minnesota Wild, and uh, played in the exhibition tune-up, the first and only action that we're going to see the Wild before games start for real on Sunday, August 2nd. And Tony, uh, we're going to break this up a little bit, but we're first going to focus on this first segment of – kind of the negatives that you got from the game. What are your f- major concerns coming out of that exhibition series? And obviously knowing that this is an exhibition, there there, there might be some things going on where they're, they're not completely showing their hand on exactly how they're going to do things. But um, yeah, go ahead. Give me your, uh, give me your, um, your uh, concerns so far that you saw from the game. I know that they got the better of the penalty differential, but I didn't like how many penalties they took. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that if you are going to be putting uh, Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, uh, Bo Horvat, like run, JT Miller, run down all those guys on uh, on the wild, um, mm-hmm. I, you're exposing your goaltending. Uh, and Stalock looked uh, pretty shaky today, it, it should be said. Uh, yeah. You're exposing your goaltending to so much uh, more high-danger uh, chances. And, and I, I think I think Stalock's actually been pretty okay on the low-danger stuff. Like, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But he's he's been one of the worst in the NHL this year, along with Devin Dubnik against the high-danger stuff. So, the obviously, the more space that you have on the ice to operate, the more you can maneuver into a high-danger chance. So, I, I guess that would be my concern. Like I said, like I, I, I think uh, Minnesota ended up drawing more penalties, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I still think that I, I really would like to uh, to see them be more disciplined. One concern that I will come out with is the power play in general. I think there were like one for, I think almost eight, something like that. At one point there were one for six. So they might've finished with the seven overall or eight overall um, power play opportunities. I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, Dumba scoring is great, but uh, I thought, you know, with the wild down three to two in the third period. And again, this is an exhibition. Maybe they're not going all out, but I do feel like, it would be nice for one of these coaches to come along and at least say, Hey, we have a chance to tie. Let's have some urgency on this double minor. And it seemed like they really wasted away the first three minutes of that, that um, power play opportunity. And obviously if you score, you know, it, it, in that final minute, it, it can be kind of forgiven a little bit, but you know, you have a chance with a double minor to have two power plays in that I mean, time. Look at what uh, what Colorado did with their five on three, right? They banked right. that in like eight seconds, and then they had more power yeah. play. Yeah, so definitely, like, I would have liked to see a little more convergence on the power play, at least some more chances. Um, five shots over those power plates, too. I, I, I feel like, again, we're just seeing the same kind of thing that we have seen from this team. 
where there's just kind of more lackadaisical and um, working around the perimeter rather than really attacking the front of the net. Um, but what has changed? I mean, this is a kind of a continuation of the 2019, 2020 season. So until Kaprizov comes in, maybe you tweak the, the lines a little bit in the off season. Um, you probably aren't going to say, see the, the habits change too much of the team. Um, another concern I might have too is, um, I, I didn't really like the defense of that third pairing. I think we've, we we kind of talked like Carson Soucy has a real opportunity to be kind of an X factor in this, in this. Um, and we, maybe we didn't talk about this on, on the air here, but uh, in our other conversations with other people, Carson Soucy has an opportunity to be kind of a, a solid player who, who showed hands and a knack for scoring and can play some decent defense. And I felt like maybe it's just a, uh, McKinnon was too fast or whatever, but I feel like their defense in general was a little sketchy. And, and in, in, in terms, I thought defense was a little, um, was a little weak at, at, at other points too. And, and, and that's really saying something for a team that really shut down the, uh, uh, the avalanche in this, in the latter half of that first period when they, um, they, they got the last 13 shots of that period or something like that. So, I mean, they completely shut the avalanche down after a shaky beginning, but uh, you know, you got to protect either Stalock or Dubnik in net. And I didn't feel like they, they did a, an adequate enough job on there with playing the body and also getting sticks in the right spot. I don't want to move off the power play just yet. I, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, stat sheet right now. Of uh, of you know how how Minnesota did at the power play who is shooting and um so you have you have Kevin Fiala who had five shot attempts on the power play pretty good uh, Fiala had a great game like none of this is saying yeah, anything about yeah. Fiala but uh, what I did feel was that uh, that you know team or Colorado was like keying on Fiala a bit he wasn't able to get his shots through he was getting uh, his shots blocked he had one shot on net in five attempts. And I, I, I think that you, you look at that and you're, you got to wonder, like, is this power play, maybe the offense in general with how dominant Fiala was, right? And, and this isn't to call Fiala selfish. I'm not saying that he's selfish or if he is, it's certainly a good kind of selfish. Yeah, um, let let him be selfish. <laughs> huh? Let him be selfish. Yeah, I, I am. I'm all in favor of, of Fiala playing his game. Like right now, that's exactly what I want to see from him. But what I'm, kind of seeing from everyone else except like maybe Zach Parise, maybe Eric Stahl, is all the other forwards kind of seem to be like, well, Fiala's got that covered, the offense. Uh, we're not going to be attacking the net like he is. And I, I think what that does is it allows everyone else to, to key in on Fiala when he's on the ice and have him be like the focal point when like other te- other players on the team need to be threats to shoot definitely can agree with that uh, like i said i you want fiala to to be selfish but uh matt dumba did take a shot i'd like to see brad hunt maybe and matt dumba on, a, on that first power play unit and uh, perhaps um you know i i thought uh i thought other forwards like uh, marcus felino and and jordan greenway maybe didn't play as physical as i thought they could have and and I think that in order to help try to slow down some of the the Canucks, uh, that, that that's going to be probably a little necessary is to be able to play a little more of the body and being able to kind of run through people, especially in the offensive zone when you're trying to get uh, in battle for towards the front of the net. 
All right. Well, those are our concerns here on Lockdown Wild about the uh, coming out of the uh, the exhibition game against the Colorado Avalanche. In the next segment, we're going to talk about our positives that were takeaways that we took out of that exhibition game. Stick around. You're listening to Locked On Wild. And we're back here on Locked On Wild. It's Joe and Tony. Uh, we're talking about the exhibition game uh, prior to the real thing that starts on uh, on Sunday. Uh, we have all the content locked and loaded for you. Uh, check out zonecoverage.com slash wild. Uh, and uh, that is where all of our writing is. And uh, check that out. Visit that off, and we'll have we'll have you covered all the way through uh, the lead up here to uh, to Sunday, as well as through Sunday into next week and forever how long the Wild go. And then if we start the off season, we start the off season. We'll start working about uh, or working on all your draft prospects and things like that. But uh, right now we're going to focus on the task at hand, and that was the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Minnesota Wild in Edmonton in the bubble of the Western Conference in an exhibition fashion, kind of their last tune-up before the series with the Vancouver Canucks start. Tony, um, positive takeaways. Obviously, we talked last uh, about the, the negatives, but uh, positives, I think uh, I think there are some good positives to take away from this. Uh, I, can we can we not say Kevin Fiala? Is that the rule? Uh, well, I think you can mention Kevin Fiala a little bit. I mean... I have no problem with mentioning Kevin Fiala. Absolutely dominating on offense i i thought kevin fiala was just uh 16 shot attempts like we we mentioned some problems with it uh a lot of shots got blocked but i think it was more than just like the shot attempts that um uh that uh that you need to be encouraged from i mean one he he looks he looks ready to go he does Uh, look ready to go look like he hasn't really skipped a beat especially in his skating Mm -hmm. so what you can be really happy about that and uh, he drew two penalties uh, in, in the game, which I, I think is going to be really huge against Vancouver. I threw this up on Twitter, but I'll, I'll say it here too. Uh, when you look at the combined uh, penalty-killing minutes for Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, and Bo Horvat, so uh, some of their some of their most potent offensive scoring threats, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they killed a combined 79 penalty kill minutes this year, and I think 41 of them was uh, from JT Miller. So, it, any there are teams that uh, that put out scoring threats on, on the penalty kill. Uh, Boston does this in, uh, in with uh, with uh, Brad Marchand. Um, mm-hmm. You you also see this out of I think Columbus has the power kill thing going. That's what they call it when you're when you're throwing out guys on the on the ice on the penalty kill to uh, to try Toronto to Toronto does that. The, yeah, the power kill. Um, uh, Columbus does that. Uh, you you said Toronto. Yep, uh, they do that. Um, so uh, Vancouver's not one of those teams. So anytime that you are putting Vancouver on the penalty kill in this series is two minutes or until you score. Uh, so worst case scenario, that's two minutes that you are not seeing Vancouver's star players on the ice. And I think that's huge that uh, that he was able to uh, to draw penalties today. Uh, one, uh, one positive takeaway that I'm going to take from this as well is, um, you know, the Minnesota Wild, they actually both teams split their, uh, their goalies taking the ice. Uh, it was uh, 30 minutes for each, so they kind of divided the game up in half. And, uh, you know, I know that Stalock uh, surrendered the, the first three goals and it was 
little shaky, especially on the McKinnon uh, goal. I thought he dropped and his glove dropped and it just opened up a, a chance for McKinnon to shoot over his glove. If he left his glove in that same position, I think he could have made the save. But I'm going to switch over to Devin Dubnik, and I thought this so far, whether we've seen it in the scrimmages or spring training, well, summer camp, I guess, is what you call it. Uh, this is probably the best he's looked so far. Now, I don't know if I'm ready to go with him game one, but at least maybe there's still um, – uh, maybe he, you can't just put him out to pasture. I thought he actually had a pretty solid game in, uh, in, in I guess, in, in, in these types of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a little hesitant to give too much praise there. Um, though he did stop three of three high danger shots and then uh, uh, face four medium danger shots and, and save those as well, um, I, I'm not I'm not ready to to be like go Dubnik like in terms of just like I choose you throwing him out of a pokeball. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm rooting for Dubnik as a person. He he seems like a really great guy and and right. he's been through a lot. Um, but. I, I'm not if I, I'm not sure if I'm totally ready to endorse him just because I think there you did see quite a bit of turtling from Colorado in that second half of the game. Um, okay. I, at least I thought so. Um, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you agree, but but he's not you know facing chump competition out there. Uh, uh, obviously, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog is going to uh, get the highlights, but there are a lot of good players on that team. Now, uh, Nazem Kadri's good. I think that guys like uh, like Jonas Donskoy and Andre Burakovsky are, are are good as well. Like this isn't uh, this isn't uh, this isn't. I mean, this is one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah. This this was definitely not a a uh, preseason game with a bunch of uh, AHLers that were battling over. This was a a good dress rehearsal. Now. Obviously, there wasn't anything on the line, so you can't say it's completely apples to apples, but you are facing the other team with their A squad out there trying to kind of do what you're doing and getting up to game speed. Um, another takeaway that I'll, I'll say is uh, Minnesota Wild still did a very good job, obviously after surrendering the first two goals, but I think they did turn around and, and, and played a lot better defensively through the rest of the game and limiting a lot of the, the 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 numerous chances that the avalanche were getting they still are going to get their chances they're still world-class players but i thought they did a much better job once they kind of settled into the game and after they tied it up at two that it was a much more even game feeling than maybe the kind of what it looked like it was going to be a route like what um, like what the Tampa Bay Lightning did to the Florida Panthers we at least we didn't see that it was still really competitive um obviously Cal- Colorado's got the better goaltending than say the Minnesota Wild have but overall defensively and defensive system wise I thought that was better as the game went along and that at least is still a part of their game where it at least gives you some hope that the Minnesota Wild can still suffocate an offense like, you know, like a Colorado Avalanche, but also translating into a a, a strong uh, couple of lines that Vancouver has. Well, and especially Jared Spurgeon and Ryan Suter. I thought both of them were really great today. Uh, mm-hmm. They controlled about 70% of the shot attempts, expected goals, whatever metric you want to, to use, like... They were out shooting, out chancing, out expected goaling, at least by a two to one margin uh, 
and and then at five on five they had seven shots combined. I That's thought good. both of those looked good, and I think that might be a, a thing that helps Minnesota is just like they do have that chemistry there, so that you can take four months off, and it's like Spurgeon knows what to do next to Suter. Suter knows right. what to do next to Spurgeon. So. Uh, one final thing I want to leave off of, and you can talk about defensemen, is uh, Ryan Carter was hitting on it, talking about kind of in training camp, Dean Evison challenging some of the defensemen to be more a part of the cycle and stepping up and being more a part of the offense. I really saw a lot of Jonas Brodeen and Jared Spurgeon, for that matter, too, really down low in the offensive zone. Like, those those guys have the ability to get back on defense when the when it's time to go back up the ice. But to see them more involved, and now instead of three forwards cycling down in the corner, it becomes four players, and you're going to win those puck battles a little bit more and continue to keep the pressure on. Uh, And maybe you can uh, float a forward off of that wall and maybe out to the front of the net for it too. So there is a system change that I think we noticed here in this uh, exhibition game that I think is something to maybe look uh, look for or look in look at when uh, when the game start for real against vancouver all right tony that's probably going to do it for us for today's show again sunday is when things start for real uh we also are looking for more questions for our mailbag episode we want to drop that for friday please get those questions in again via email and also via twitter our um, families are dying our families are not the dying only cure but, is you know these <laughs> questions <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, Tony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at OhHiTony. You can find my work at ZoneCoverage.com. I will have something up tomorrow and Friday. What is it going to be about? Oh, you're going to have to find out, aren't you? ZoneCoverage.com slash wild. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. Also, all my work coming out uh, leading up to this this uh, series at ZoneCoverage.com slash wild. That's going to do it for today's show. If you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so that your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Locked on Wild. You can also get in touch with us via email. Just look up, uh, sorry, just email us at LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Please support our sponsors because they support us. Thank you for listening to Locked On Wild. Be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your playoff hockey every day.